It takes years to build a reputation and it just takes it just takes one mistake to destroy it, right? And so if I could give one piece of advice and, and what I will tell my daughters is you got to manage that. You got to be thoughtful about it and you got to be purposeful about it. The oil and gas industry, the driving engine of the world economy, delivering prosperity, innovation and abundance across the globe. Here are the stories of its key players, directly from the leaders themselves. This is Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, where real experiences are passed on from the leaders of today to the leaders of tomorrow. Here is your host, Paige Wilson. Welcome back to another episode of the Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, sponsored by AWS Energy. Before I introduce this week's guest, let me read this week's reviews. OGGN, another great podcast, five stars. I'm an avid listener of Oil and Gas this week and the OGGN Tech Podcast. However, you and Mark referenced this one on y'all's recent Oil and Gas This Week podcast, and I'm glad y'all did. I've listened to three interviews, and now I'm subscribing to this one as well. Amazing content. Thank y'all. Much respect. Listening in from South Louisiana. Well, that's homegrown right here. Thanks, Boone's LP225. If you want to support the show and get a shout out like Boone's LP225, leave me a review and I'll read it out on the next episode. All right. Well, this week I have my guest, Blake McLean, Chief Executive Officer at Ambient. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks very much for having me, Paige. Yeah. Yeah. Blake, let's talk about how you got started in the oil and gas industry. Okay. Okay. Happy to do that. So I'm originally from I'm originally from West Texas. I grew up in El Paso. So, you know, it's sort of in the bloodline, right? A lot of family in, in the permanent, a lot of family that has worked to do oil patch. So, you know, I grew up there, went to the University of Texas. Hook em. <laughs> Did you go to the University of Texas? No, 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 but I'm a big fan. Okay. As am I, as am I. So I went to the University of Texas and uh, was in the business school there, got a degree in finance. And as I was looking for next steps, I had an interest in the financial service industry and investment banking specifically. And I thought it'd be really neat to marry my interest in the oil and gas space and my background in the oil and gas space with that. So that's what I, that's what I pursued at the University of Texas. So I, I went to work for an energy specialty investment bank based here in Houston called Simmons & Company. Mm-hmm. And I was there for <laughs> I was there for quite a long time. So that's how I got my start in the oil and gas business. That's a fantastic firm, deep roots in the industry, and a lot of great work that's been done there over the years. How long were you there? I was there for 16 years. So from 2000 to 2016, with a brief hiatus where I spent two years in business school. I went to Stanford for my MBA from 05 to 07. Nice. Yeah. So what'd you do after that? So after I left Simmons and Company, I went to work for went to work for EQT, which is the largest natural gas producer in North America. Mm-hmm. And I moved I moved up to Pittsburgh, worked for EQT in a number of kind of senior finance strategy, technology, and communications roles, working for the CFO and then the CEO over a period of about three years. Okay. How'd you like that? I mean, obviously you're a CEO now, so feels like maybe you were a little inspired by that. Yeah, look, working for EQT was fantastic experience. You know, my wife and I and, and our family, we moved from Houston up to Pittsburgh, where I had never spent any real time. Really, really loved the city of Pittsburgh. It's a beautiful part of the country. And so I had a great time doing that. And I had a great time working at EQT as well. Learned a ton 
about sort of working on the other side of the phone. So working from an operator's perspective, learned a ton, got a chance to do a number of different jobs within the organization. So got to see a bunch and absolutely was inspired to sort of pursue the role that I have now. Because one of the things I owned while I was at QT, one of the things that fell under my charge was a group that we had called the Innovation Group, right? And so Mm -hmm. our task was we had about a dozen engineers tasked with exploring technology, external technology that could help us do things better, faster, safer, more efficiently, right? And so it was a cool introduction to this kind of emerging energy technology space and got to see a lot of different businesses, a lot of different folks who were doing innovative things within the industry. And so that was sort of an inspiration for me when I left DQT, moved back to Houston, to sort of kick around and look around this space. Because I think, and I continue to believe this, I think there's a lot of really interesting, really valuable things that are happening at this kind of intersection between field ops and what we think of as kind of like digital transformation, right? Data, analytics, all of that stuff. So anyway, that was a bit of a long-winded answer, but that's kind of how I ended up here through that introduction to the energy tech space while I was at QT. Good. Well, I like long-winded answers, so, <laughs> so you're in the right place. All right. Well, let's talk about Ambient and how you got started in that company. Yep, absolutely. So when I was back in Houston, looking around the space and you know doing a lot of meetings with folks, doing a lot of back when you could actually do breakfasts and lunches and, <laughs> right. and drinks, right? So did a lot of that, just a lot of networking, right? Trying to meet interesting people who are doing interesting things. I was introduced to our venture capital backers, a group of folks called Cottonwood Ventures, mm-hmm. who are investors in kind of early stage startup type energy tech companies. They led Ambient's Series B round of funding. And Mm -hmm. so the team at Cottonwood introduced me to the team here at Ambient, who was looking for for some talent in specific areas. And so that was my entree into Ambient. Excellent. And what really grabbed you when you came to Ambient? Yeah, it's a great question. So I talked a bit about the fact that I think there's a lot of value to be unlocked here in this intersection play over the next decade or so. In fact, I would go so far as to say that I think maybe the best chance to build a real sizable, scalable value add business in the oil and gas space over the next decade is right here in this kind of energy technology meets field type operations window. And so that's kind of what I was looking for. That's kind of what excited me about Ambient. And then the other piece that I really like is where we're focused in the value chain, right? So it's production ops, right? Right. When you think about a world of potentially structurally lower commodity prices, potentially structurally reduced access and availability of capital for the the industry, what you start to see is, okay, maybe we're going to have fewer rigs operating. Maybe we're going to have fewer completion crews and, and completion fleets operating. But what we know we're going to do is we're going to continue to try to increase the efficiency with which we pull hydrocarbons out of the ground from wells we've already drilled. Right. Especially during this time. Goodness. Absolutely. Right. So the positioning in the value chain at the sort of closest to the wellhead, right, at the production level, I think is really attractive. We feel like we've got an opportunity to add value for companies that are looking for places where they can pull costs out of the system. They're looking for places where they can increase efficiency. And in a world where they're drilling fewer wells and completing fewer wells, you know, attacking that problem at the actual sort of production piece of the business is, was very compelling to me. Gotcha. I've interviewed a lot of people that are talking about 
the digital transformation and marrying that into field ops. So it's been very interesting. So how has your company been doing since the whole COVID pandemic? Well, you know, uh, it has been a challenging year for the entire industry, right? And so we have certainly not been immune from that. But we continue to, we have the benefit of having some sort of cool new things to continue to work on and build out. We've got new technologies or sort of expanded use cases of our technology that we continue to to progress over the course of the year. We have grown up as a rod lift focused custom company. What do you mean by that? I don't want to get too much into the weeds and derail the, the conversation here, but essentially the focus for Ambient is on production optimization at and around various artificial lift types, right? So we offer okay, hard, yeah. hardware and software tools that kind of help companies drive better production outcomes from those specific lift types, as well as kind of reduce costs, right? So we do that through a combination of really advanced physics, subject matter expertise that, that lives in-house, and then you know various analytical platforms, artificial intelligence, machine learning, et cetera. And so where we started this journey as a company was specifically in rod lift wells. And that's the bulk of our historical experience until sort of 18, you know, 12 to 18 months ago. We have been working on two real, pivot's not the right word, we've been working on two real additions to our suite of service offerings. The first is an expansion of the artificial lift types that were enabled and empowered to address for customers. So we've moved beyond rod lift and and moved into plunger lift. And on the horizon for us is also gas lift as well. So really working to become a multi-lift strategy for folks. Additionally, we're increasing the flexibility around which we can deploy on those wells. So historically, it has been an edge, a piece of edge hardware that links to our cloud. We are also increasing the flexibility with which we can link to customer systems. So now we're linking directly into customer SCADA systems and linking directly into their data system without our piece of hardware. So we're trying to, again, just kind of meet the customer where they are. If you would like to use an ambient hardware device in order to send data and acquire data, we're happy to do it that way. If you'd like us to plug into existing data acquisition systems that you've already got in-house, we're happy to do it that way. So that Oh, that's very convenient. Yeah, we're trying to increase the convenience and the flexibility. Our vision is really to be the kind of well optimization partner of choice, right? So I want it to be, I want to hit as many of your wells and being able to add value on as many of your different artificial lift types as possible. And I want to be able to plug into your system in the most convenient manner possible for you. That's kind of the idea, right? And so that's a bit of a long-winded answer once again, as it relates to how COVID and 2020 results have been for us. And so well, I say we've had certainly our share of challenges and slowdowns and customers who've had challenges. We have also had a lot of good stuff to go work on, right? So that has been something for us to go do. We can put our heads down, just kind of deliver on product, right? Right, right. Well, and speaking of challenges, what are some of the challenges you had to go through to get where you are? I mean, obviously moving, I mean, that's that's just part of the industry as it is, moving your family across country or across the world. But what are some of the really big challenges you had to go through maybe per your education or or situation you know what i mean sure yeah of course of course you know i think as you coming in coming into this industry one of the challenges that i think anybody faces is it's a big it's a big complex ecosystem right and so it just you got to put your head down and grind and it takes years to develop the expertise and to develop 
the knowledge base and the store of experience in order to really start to add value, right? And so right. I think the biggest challenge for somebody coming into this space, and this is, I'm certain this is true of other industries, but this is just the, the one that I know. Biggest challenge is you got to put your head down and you got to do the work and you got to sort of, you got to learn, <laughs> you got you got to go learn a bunch of stuff, right? And one right. of the things I find consistently in my life is sort of the more you learn, the more you realize how little you know, right? And right. So you got to get beyond that first wave and then continue to dig deeper. So that from a just 10,000 foot view, that's the challenge. But I think that's the challenge of digging into any industry, right? Yeah, but ours is ever evolving. It's just a matter of the industry going, oh, okay, we're going to do that. Fine. You know, that's one of the things I love yeah. that's about our industry is there's always something new to learn every day. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I completely agree with you. And the industry, the industry does evolve in specific areas. We think faster than others. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're exactly right. The industry is constantly changing. There are the macroeconomic environment changes on you. The specific players, the specific places where you can sort of chase and add value, all of that changes on a fairly regular basis. So staying. Staying plugged in and continuing to kind of keep yourself up to speed, that's a constant challenge as well. And I think one that, that you actually you have to do if you're going to be a leader in the industry. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. So if you had one piece of advice to give our audience, what would it be? A piece of advice? I would say be thoughtful about your reputation. Reputation is, I mean, it's it's absolutely important in the oil and gas space. I think it's it's important sort of broadly. And I think I would think about who you work with. I would think about the types of things that you work on. And I would think about, you know, your effort and your efficacy as you work on those things. Those, I think, if you do that, if you if you manage your own reputation and you're thoughtful about it, that would be the best piece of advice I could give. It also makes you a little more transparent and trustworthy, right? Absolutely. I mean, you have heard this. It's a it's an old adage and it's one that, that I learned early, right? It takes years to build a reputation and it just takes it just takes one mistake to destroy it, right? And so yeah. I just would encourage, if I could give one piece of advice and, and what I will tell my daughters is, you know, you got to manage that. You got to be thoughtful about it and you got to be purposeful about it. Very good. Very good. What book influenced you the most and why? That's always a tough one, right? There's so many different ways to take a question like that. <laughs> <laughs> As somebody who has not spent a lot of time in the startup industry, I've spent you know, the sort of tech startup world, I'm more kind of traditional oil and gas guys. So I've been trying to cram for the test, as it were, with a, a bunch of kind of typical startup books, right? There's The Lean Startup and there's, you know, Zero to One by Peter Thiel. And there's The Hard Thing About Hard Things, which I think is actually pretty great, Ben Horowitz. And so there's there's a number of these, like if you're going to, if you're in the kind of tech startup space, you got to go, you got to go get this one and you got to go get that one. You got to go get that one. So those are those are some of the books that I would throw out there. I'm, I'm missing a ton. In terms of, if I could take it just a different direction, though, and take it like not business, I would tell you that my favorite book in the world is actually a book called The Boys in the Boat. Have you ever heard or read this book? Heard of this book? No, I have book? not. No, okay. I've never heard of it. So it's about a rowing team. So it's the University of Washington rowing team back in the 30s, and it's about a group of group of boys who kind of grow up hard scrabble during the depression and they become this fantastic team that eventually moves on and goes to compete at the Olympics in Germany. And so it's a fantastic book about, you know, 
people who are facing real challenge in life, right? Not enough uh-huh. food to eat, no place to lay your head. It's about coming together as a team. It's about, you know, overcoming obstacles. It's about kind of good versus bad. It's just, it's a fantastic read. And I think there's a lot of life lessons in there about kind of picking yourself up, dusting yourself off and kind of getting after it. Not quitting. That's it. And, and, and working together. That's it. Very good. Boys yeah, I'm going to check Boat. Okay. The boys, the boys in, the boat. in the boat. Yeah. Check it out. It's fantastic. Reading. Yeah. I'll make sure to add that to the show notes too. So everybody can check it out. Excellent. What's your most used business tool since you're in the startup space? <laughs> <laughs> so my most used business tool at the moment is Google Meets or Zoom or Microsoft Teams, right? <laughs> that's, been a, that's been a pretty common thing these days. <laughs> I'm not standing out here. So yeah, we've been working remotely for some time now, although we have really in the last few weeks reopened our offices, kind of, I would call it a soft reopen, right? We're, we've got folks coming in, you know, that feel comfortable coming in and we've got, we got some ambient branded masks and we got some gear. So we've been trying to do that lately, but yeah, those have been super useful tools. We also use a communication tool internally called Slack, which is kind of mm-hmm. like, which is kind of like instant message for the sort of in, inside the company, which is, right. which is great. Yeah. We use Microsoft Teams. Okay. Okay. One of the things that I have found to be a challenge though, even with all of those great tools is I think they're best used as supplements to in-person kind of interaction and team building as opposed to replacements, right? And so there's just nothing that replaces spending a little time with your team, sitting down, breaking bread over lunch. Just those those yeah. interactions are difficult to replace, even with great tools like this. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. You know, we're actually recording online. I don't remember the last time I did an interview in person. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that. It's been a little difficult for myself to adjust, but I'm I'm kind of okay with it. But I'm looking forward to doing it in person sometime soon. So I definitely understand what you mean because the ambiance of having someone in front of you watching their facial expressions and, and just feeling what they're feeling, I definitely identify with that. I can imagine. And then you don't have to worry about their sound quality issues either. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's okay. It's not a big deal. (laughs) (laughs) So who would you say is your most respected competitor? You know, there are other folks out chasing this kind of prize of production optimization. And there are folks who are doing interesting things with AI in a number of different sort of use cases in the oil and gas space. But I will tell you, I think we lose more deals to the status quo or the way we've always done things than anything else. So there are technologies, I'll use the sort of production operations piece of the business. There are technologies that have been in place for a number of years. And there are, you know, there are things that are great about those technologies. There are things that are great about the work processes around them. And there are things that that even the folks who use them every day see opportunities to improve upon, right? But but unseating some of those tools that have been around for for so many years and, and that that folks have grown up in the industry with turns out to be pretty difficult, right? So you've got an uphill battle to prove your own worth, to prove that. And in the oil and gas space, there's a lot of things that you got to get right. There is no getting around the safety aspect. There's no getting around. Right. Yeah. You know, people can die. Things. 
Absolutely. And so it is for good reason that the industry is thoughtful about new things, right? And so what I would tell you, and perhaps this is a bit of a cop-out, but what I would tell you is we lose more business to the status quo than we do to other competitors in our space. Gotcha. Gotcha. What is your most important lesson learned? Patience. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, you've got the girls, so I hope so. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's maybe that's my most important lesson learned in life generally, right? I tend to be someone who's who's game to kind of run hard at a specific circumstance or a specific challenge. One of the things I've learned over the course of my of my career is is the benefit of a deep breath, the benefit of sort of slowing things down, right? And so I think being patient with respect to the way specific situations or challenges develop, I think being patient with respect to even the progress within your own career, right? How you think about what are you learning? What sort of tools are you adding to the toolkit? So I think just being patient with yourself is a super valuable kind of internal talk track, right? Because as long as you know you're doing things that are kind of moving the ball forward for you personally, or you, you know that you're doing things that are moving the ball forward for your organization in your current capacity, sometimes that's enough, right? And as long as you're playing the long game, I think a, a bit of patience is probably good advice. Now, perhaps that's top of mind for me in terms of what I've learned because I wasn't always patient earlier in my career or earlier in my life. So perhaps there's a bit of that as well. <laughs> yeah. And I guess also being thoughtful ties into patience. You have to have those patience in order to be thoughtful, right? Yeah. No, that's exactly right. I think what, there's a, a number of things that come along, right, along with that, right? Mm-hmm. It's being measured, being methodical, being thorough, right? Doing all of the things in order to kind of run your processes to ground, get them squared away, you know, make sure that that you're backfilling the, your own personal knowledge, make sure you're filling the holes within your organization so that you kind of present a stronger foundation, a stronger base, a stronger path forward. I think that's exactly right. right. Yeah. Yeah. You're right on about that. So why do you think your role now is important to the future of the oil and gas industry? Well, I think the oil and gas industry is faced with a fairly stark choice, right? As an industry, we have to find ways to do things. We've got to find ways to generate cash, right? We've got to find ways to reduce costs. We've got to find ways to be more efficient with respect to our operations. That's from both a people and just an ongoing cost perspective, right? So the industry based on some of the things we've talked about already based on you know structurally lower commodity price challenges in the near to intermediate term based on the absence of capital availability in terms of folks who are willing to put money and dollars to work in the oil and gas space the industry's got challenges to overcome and so it's not just ambient but companies like ambient right who are at the forefront in terms of this digital transformation this journey that companies have to go on are a big part of the solution, right? So we want to be able to help companies get better production outcomes, get shower-based declines, lower their DNC spending, right? We got we want to be able to help companies lower op costs, be more efficient with their workforces, have better visibility in terms of their production wells and their operations, right? So we want to be part of the solution. And I think it's critical because the industry has no choice but to evolve, right? This is as stubborn as we are. Yes, that's right. That's right. <laughs> this is one of those things where you know never let a crisis go to waste, right? This is a challenging time, as challenging as any of us have certainly seen. And you know, you talk to folks as challenging as anything the oil and gas market has faced since the mid '80s, right? And so, 
evolve or go away. That's the way this, that's the way this plays, right? And so we think that we are bringing tools to the forefront that can help companies evolve. And so I think that's kind of exciting. It is exciting. It's very exciting. Change is always exciting, I think. And a little bit scary. <laughs> well, of course, the unknown is always <laughs> scary. Absolutely. Always very scary. Absolutely. So, so I must ask, what's your favorite podcast? <laughs> so uh, I feel like that was a trick question. <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you, I'm actually not a big podcast listener, so perhaps this is the worst place to admit that, but... <laughs> It's okay. I hope you listen to your own interview after it goes out. I'll give it a shot. I'll give it a shot. But yeah, no, I'm not I'm not huge on it. So I'm not sure I'll be the best person to ask that. It's okay. I don't listen to my own. <laughs> Nobody take that the wrong way. I just can't like stand it. to hear my own voice. Anyhow, yeah. thank you so much for joining me, Blake. If people want to reach out to you and or get to know more about Ambient, how might they go about doing that? Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate that. So standard, easy ways to find us. We're at ambient.com, A-M-B-Y-I-N-T.com. If you'd like to shoot me an email, happy to converse on that front as well. I'm at blake.mcclain at ambient.com on LinkedIn, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I have your LinkedIn on here. We don't put your email so you don't get spammed because okay, bots like pick that stuff up. And I also have the website listed for you. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, so that concludes this episode. So just remember, it's up to you to open the next door. Now here's Savannah with Events on Deck. Hey, everybody. It's Savannah from OGGN, and here are the Events on Deck for October 2020. We've got about five events this month, three of which are online, one of which is in person, and one of which is both. First up, we have the Houston Energy Breakfast virtual conference on the 6th, which is about embracing the evolving market landscape, and that'll be online. Second, we have Adipec 2020, which is an interactive online event going on from the 9th to the 12th. Third, we have OGGN and API Houston Chapter Presents, the opening of the Deep Cavango Basin, which will be live streamed directly to LinkedIn and other platforms from the event in downtown Houston on the 10th. Fourth, we have the Energy API 3-Gun Challenge on the 13th, which is in-person at the Ranch Shooting Club in Eagle Lake, Texas. Last, we have the Downstream Leadership Forum, which will be our last event of the month from the 19th to the 20th, and that'll be online. Other than these events, I believe OGGN will be hosting some live streams this month, so make sure to check out our Facebook, LinkedIn, or our website for more information about any of the live streams we have coming up. That's all for November. I hope you guys have a great month, and thanks for tuning in. Tune in next week for another intriguing episode of Oil & Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasindustryleaders.com. Thank <laughs> you.